these lies Oh, I'm done with believing these lies I'll climb out of this cage, spread my wings, fly away Oh, I'm done with believing these lies This is the All at Once podcast for women and those who love them. We are God's image bearers, exploring ways religion has been distorted to silence the marginalized and to justify abuse. We are Christians, seeking to comfort, heal, and free people from the pain caused by our own religion. We carry much, like all of humanity, all at once. I'm Kelly Browning, and to God be the glory. Hello, and welcome to the All at Once podcast. This episode is going to be different from all the others that follow. It is the only one with just me talking the whole time. All the others are interview-based, and this one serves to answer the question, what is this podcast about and what do we hope to do here? We hope to convince you to be willing to consider the power that representation has to make your church, your life, and our world better. When we have women and minorities in leadership positions and in speaking and teaching roles, we directly combat our culture that trains us to dismiss these voices. And when I finally started attending a church that did this, I realized that a memory I held onto for over 20 years wasn't a consensual encounter that I was an active participant in at six years old. It was a sexual assault. As I discuss more about this, it's important for me to also say that this episode is one of the few that we will talk so much about sexual assault. Um, the, The rest of the episodes contribute to the overarching theme that empowering and understanding marginalized people groups and the dangers of rigid thinking that comes with it. But my experiences that surround my assault and the reporting of it is the evidence I have of just how empowering it is for marginalized people groups to be represented in church leadership and how churches really, really, really need to consider how they can better support and empower victims of all kinds of abuse and oppression by doing so. If you attend a church, pastor a church, or lead a church, which is probably all of you, I hope that you'll consider adjusting your perspectives a bit with regard to women to better love and support your entire congregation. The episodes that follow this one serve to outline different ways you can view scripture and women and why churches and Christians hold so tightly to views that suppress marginalized voices and the shame that that inevitably causes. And you'll also hear stories from women who are leaders, teachers, moms, and friends. I hope you are inspired by my story and know that my voice is not in isolation. This is one account that is sadly just like many thousands of others. When you hear the deep breath, that's when I start sharing my story. It's actually how I start every single episode, but I usually edit that part out. I decided to keep it at the beginning of this one, and I hope you feel comfortable to take a collective deep breath with me. So take what is good and beneficial for you and leave what isn't. Here we go.
Seven years ago, I had to complete an online youth training on how to identify students who may be victims of sexual assault. I procrastinated and waited until the day before I left for camp in order to complete all the trainings in one day. During the training, it went over all the markers of a person who was sexually assaulted, some commonalities that they may have. And as he described these markers, tears began to well up in my eyes, even now as I remember that moment, um, it still causes a, an emotional reaction in me because as he was describing those markers and as he was I, going over identifiers of sexual assault victims, I realized that I had all those markers. And it was in that moment that this memory I carried with me for 20 years that I carried in the back of my mind and the pit of my stomach as I sat through purity talks at church thinking I would someday have to confess this thing I did, feeling unclean, impure, this thing I kept a secret when I was later a victim of an attempted rape in junior high that I did report. Um, but this memory, I never told a soul about. I could even forget about it at times. But this memory wasn't something that I needed to be ashamed of or confess. It wasn't my fault. It was a sexual assault. I melted to the ground. Um, like literally I melt, like my whole body just collapsed to the floor in sobs and lament as I relived all of that. And as my adult self lamented the loss of innocence for my childhood self, I vividly remembered every detail of what happened. I continued to lament and I grieved deeply. My husband later came home and I recounted those details to him and um, he just loved me really, really well through that. The next day I left for camp, led a group of girls, high school girls uh, to Camp Quaker Haven in, in Kansas. It was a great time. Um, and then immediately after that, I helped lead a mission trip overseas for a couple weeks. And then I came back home, got pregnant, had a baby, got pregnant again, <laughs> and never really had the time to process what happened to me. And throughout all of this, I told a few people about it and felt like that was enough. Like, okay, I told a few people. I'm healing. Yay. Until that just wasn't enough anymore. I needed more support, more healing, not just more time. I also needed some justice, some kind of validation. After my second son's traumatic birth was awful. Um, you can read about it on our blog, allatonce.us. I started having panic attacks every single morning. I didn't know there were panic attacks. I thought I was just getting sick in the morning. And I called my doctor and she said, no, you're having panic attacks. You should probably start going to therapy to talk about whatever is causing this. And it was all the trauma in my life kind of just coming out in my body. So around this time too, I started watching Unbelievable on Netflix, which follows the justice and injustices of the victims of a serial rapist. I realized I too could report this crime that took place when I was a child. 
So in November of 2019, exactly one year ago, I walked into a police station to report the sexual assault from my childhood. It was an incredibly difficult thing for me to do. Anyone who has reported a sex crime knows what I'm talking about. I can still feel my hands shaking even as I had to write on that little tiny slip of paper um, that's given to anyone who's there to report a crime. I had to write why I was there. And on the line, I wrote a sexual assault from my childhood. That's what I'm there to report. And then all of a sudden, this abstract memory that I had talked about a couple of times materialized before my eyes and was brought out from the depths of my childhood self and into the world of my adult self. To my amazement, people, even now, while I'm recording this, like lately, I've been asked this question. um, And over the past year, I've been asked this question from people. Why did you report that? Why did you report that crime? And I want to answer that question here. I reported because I couldn't bear the thought of someone else being sexually assaulted by the same people. I reported because I thought of other innocent children who may have been victims or are current victims who I could loan my strength and voice and support to by standing with them. I also reported mainly for one simple reason, because a crime took place. And when a crime takes place, it is our job to report it to the police. And then it's up to the justice system to determine what happens next. After I reported, I reached out to some family members Um, and many responses were, um, just really awful. They were, how can this still be bothering you after all these years? Why would you report it now? Are you sure what happened with sexual assault? Maybe it was exploration. The person who did this to you may have changed their life. Your report could ruin their life. And many other just awful things were said to me from, my family. All sympathies were given to the perpetrator and shame and judgment were hurled at me along with attempts to convince me to stop pursuing justice and that justice wasn't warranted or even deserved and that it was my fault for being bothered by my assault. In their opinion, I was weak and needed to trust God more instead of turning to law enforcement to handle this crime. Thankfully, I am an adult who is surrounded by incredibly healthy, supportive, and strong people. So I was able to keep pressing forward toward justice, but without those specific people's support, which remains really difficult for me even even today as I record this. After that, I got curious as to why I received those responses The same type of responses that I heard even from the same people during the Mean Too movement, I started asking women who I knew had been assaulted to see if they too had received similar responses. Those who had, I asked them, does their church allow women to preach, to be elders, to be pastors? What do they teach about women's roles and gender norms? Every person who responded to my abuse and the abuse of my friends with judgment had some similar things in common. Namely, women didn't have a voice at the pulpit in their church. 
And they were taught that women are to be silent, women are weaker, and need to submit and support their husbands and male leaders because that is God's design for the whole world, for marriage, church, parenting, and government. Literally, every single person who responded to me and to my friends by questioning and attempting to silence or dismiss them or downplay their abuse had that in common. Obviously, not every single person who attends a church without women leaders and teachers will respond in this way. Dozens of my closest friends who attend such churches are proof of that. Those responses stand in stark contrast to how my friends responded who have seen women in church leadership of some sort. Last year, when this podcast was just beginning to take shape, I asked my friend Cindy Dawson to do a practice round of recording with me to help discern which parts of my story I wanted to become public and which parts of my story I wanted to keep to myself. And during that practice recording, she shared with me three phrases that she refers to as low-hanging fruit for us to commit to memory should someone tell us about their own sexual assault. She actually said these three phrases to me when I first told her my story, and I found them deeply comforting and validating whenever I did share my story and first start talking about this with her. Write these three phrases down and commit them to memory. Remember them. They actually do help. And this is what you would say to someone if they tell you about their sexual assault. Number one, I am so sorry that happened to you. Number two, it's not your fault. And number three, I believe you. Around the same time of my report and subsequent curiosity and inquiry, I was reading Educated by Tara Westover. Um, you should go buy that book right now and read it. It is phenomenal. As I was reading, I was blown away at the power of telling the truth and telling your story, even without the support from those who are supposed to be closest to you. And I just couldn't ignore these similarities and trends I was seeing and experience, experiencing, and I, I couldn't ignore the young people uh, and older people coming to me to ask if fill-in-the-blank was sexual abuse as they recounted marital rape, groping, and more. I couldn't remain silent as I thought, how many more young girls and women are still unsure unable to trust themselves and their body to know in their brain what they know in their gut. How many perpetrators are getting away with all kinds of abuse and sitting in plain sight in our pews, being told women are weaker, are in need of men, and God made them more powerful than the women around them. That men are leaders and women must submit to them. How many? I refuse to stay silent when I really believe there's some actionable practices churches can do to be a part of the solution. Having women represented, even in small doses like preaching a couple times a year, will have large, lasting, and long-term positive impacts in literally every way. Empowering and amplifying the voices of women is the solution to so much more than just issues related to sexual assault. It will strengthen our world, our country, families, marriages, communities, and lives. 
But I urge you, please, to not stop with just having women preach a couple times a year and then patting yourself on the back. I urge you to dig deeper to uproot long-held biases that say women can't have a seat at the decision-making table and then using the Bible to prove your claim to keep women out of leadership without also considering all the times the Bible elevates women into the highest offices of the church and looking at how Jesus himself spoke to and about women. Jesus, God on earth, ordained the first woman ever into a pastoral role. Because if we keep teaching our young girls and boys that females are to be the quiet and submissive supporters, while men are to be the strong and outspoken leaders over submissive and silent women, we are directly contributing to the culture that breeds violence against women and breeds a wide breadth of opportunities for abusive power. Before I move on to a couple fingerprints and details regarding the podcast, we're going to listen to an ad for beautiful handmade pottery from a local artist right here in Houston. She's got a discount for you. So listen up and then meet me right back here in a bit. Memories are made in the quiet moments we share together. It's the joy of choosing your favorite mug in the morning or using the large bowl that perfectly holds your family's favorite recipe. Box Sparrow Studio creates contemporary handmade ceramics for the everyday ways you gather. To learn more, visit www.boxsparrowstudio.com or for daily updates, follow along on Instagram at boxsparrow. Use code all at once for 25% off your first order. Thank you, Abby. Abby also so graciously sponsors our top tier of patrons through Patreon. If you would like to give monthly financially through Patreon, you can check out our website allatonce.us and you can click on the Patreon tab and you can also check out our merch at our shop on the allatonce.us website to help offset some of the costs that this podcast incurs and to also help support the work of a second season. Okay, so on to fingerprints. The first is with regard to ads. I was so excited when I had the idea to give away ad space to women who are working hard at something that they care about. I wanted this platform to be shared and to combat our culture that says you must compete for market share. So throughout each episode, you'll hear ads from women who are following their passions and are also committed to making the world a better place through their business and work, which is what All at Once is about too. You can also view the work of these women on our website under the sponsors tab. You can view a link there also to the song titled A New Day that you heard at the beginning of the episode, and you'll hear throughout the whole season of the podcast. Um, And that's by Michelle Rayborn. So go check out her music and support all of these incredible women, just like you're supporting me right now. So thank you. The next fingerprint is the little phrase. It's a big phrase, but it's a little phrase. Um, Take what is good and beneficial for you and leave what isn't. I suspect every single person who listens to this podcast will find something to disagree with. I'm covering literally all hot button issues, women, sexual abuse, theology, gender with a side of politics. My purpose isn't to convince you to think like me. My 
purpose is just to show you my experiences, my learnings, and perspectives on these issues so that you would be willing to consider the implications of how your views could be contributing to the overarching issues women today are facing. So I hope you feel free to not agree with everything as you listen. And when something feels wrong to you, I hope you can keep listening and take the bits of our work here that are good and beneficial for you, and then just leave the bits that aren't or are too out there or far-fetched for you. Last thing, the details. We will release all the episodes of season one this month. We aren't a normal podcast releasing them regularly since everyone on the All at Once team has full-time commitments and roles elsewhere in their schools, careers, communities, and homes. Um, So I just ask you to please be patient with us. We love the content and are working hard, but it takes time. I hope you've been inspired by this episode and feel welcome to join me on episode two where I talk with Rochelle Bridges, licensed marriage and family therapist about shame, the origin of our culture, and why so many people hold tightly to rigid views and the dangers that causes. Thanks for listening. Before you go, I want to let you know about the amazing women who contribute to the production of the All at Once podcast. First, we have Michelle Rayborn. She is the singer and songwriter of our theme song, A New Day. You can find this song and more of her work anywhere you get your jams. Other contributors to the podcast include Sarah Jordan, Molly Bays, Taylor Diggs, Maddie Scott, and Samantha Gall. Thank you for your hard work to get us to this point. Also, remember to visit us on our website, allatonce.us, to become an email subscriber, a monthly financial patron, or to buy some swag. Thanks for listening. Courage, fight for faith, and see a new day.